An overwhelming majority of the women I interviewed who grew up in this movement did not stay there and eventually chose to leave. But the process of leaving was different for everyone. Welcome to the fourth and final episode of the Daughters documentary entitled Leaving the Stay-at-Home Daughter Movement. I'm your host, Joanna Adams. Martha Ardiomenko was a member of an online group called the Patriarch Wives. Her involvement led her to reconsider and eventually decide to move away from the movement and ideologies under which she lived her life. Ideologies that she said contributed to her staying in an abusive relationship. And that's why I was saying it kind of, it starts with like the stay-at-home daughter thing and then right. it went into that sort of thing. And it just got worse from there. Um, I joined some online um, email groups and um, one of them was called the Patriarch's Wives. And um, it was very uh, involved with like Vision Forum and uh, Doug Phillips. And, you know, they're friends with them, like R.C. Sproul Jr. And, you know, a lot of these big names, those were people that they knew. And um, so I think it actually helped me, though, to start questioning things because I'm reading what they're writing and I start asking questions like, what about this? And I've experienced this. What? How is this right? And, um, you know, we had some good discussion. So were there people in, were there people in the group, you know, the email group that were telling you, no, that's not right. Like that doesn't seem right. Were you getting any? Most of it was not. And they were really intense on the stay at home daughter. Like their girls, they were going to stay home. They, you know, they wanted these amazing courtships. And I'm saying, you know, it doesn't always go well. Like I start telling them stories about like, well, my friends, they did this. They did everything right. And this is happening to them. And what is their response back? Well, that's rare. You take all these beliefs of, well, if you do everything right, you don't date. You're going to have a perfect marriage with less children and everything will go right. And nothing is going right like that. The promise of everything going well, if you do the right things, didn't come through for Martha. So I'm like, my husband's in a mental hospital. I just had my fourth son. No one wants to hire me now because not only do I not have anything more than a high school education, I have no work experience at all. Right, right. Um, The jobs that I can get are minimum wage. I can't pay rent and take and childcare for four children under six. Yeah. You know, if I can get someone to hire me with all those children. Exactly. People look at you and go, eh, you're a risk. So I started doing, and I would ask the people like on my group, my email group, okay, what do I do? Well, maybe in your case, it's okay to get a job, but you should really try to like do something from home. So even at this point, they're questioning your decision to to get a job. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent next month. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? Well, have you asked the church? Well, I don't, my church is, 
I'm between churches. So I start visiting all the churches in Kalispell. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of looking at you like, Hmm, what you're here with all these little kids. Where's your husband? You know, Do they ask you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one church, um, I went to one that was more conservative and they kind of basically told me they didn't think it was the right church for me because he wasn't around because you really wow. needed that husband to be involved and, um, that I should look for other friends. Wow. Cause I didn't really fit their model. I've had so many questions about my faith at that point. I'm. Am I doing things wrong? Am I doing things right? All these things that I've been taught, everybody's telling me you did everything right, but nothing's happening like they said it would. So what else did they tell me wrong? Those experiences. um, But in the middle of it, I had little like messages from God that kind of made me realize, okay, it's man has created all these ideals give these perfect things, but this is not actually what God says and what the Bible says. So Mm -hmm. it started bringing me back to like looking at it. Okay. What do those verses actually say? And it was a long period of time. Um, but God really was able to, to bring that about and it. Did it helped increase my faith? Sure. In those little things that he was providing for me. Had money that would appear in my mailbox that I don't know, still don't know where it came from. Mm-hmm. You know, people, strangers that mailed me money, right? Um, and I'm like, I don't understand this, you know. But I, it was kind of like that widow's might of, you know, I had just had faith, and I had to have faith and pray that He was going to provide for me because I was willing to work, um, but it it wasn't happening. I did. I worked for um, a magazine. I did advertising and marketing and I did. um, I worked for doing Whirlpool um, demonstrations at Costco. But I remember, I think I felt so guilty. For working? Yeah. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you feel bad because you have to pay your bills. And so it created this dynamic in your brain of I'm sinning when there's not really a sin. Sure. You know, and saying, okay, God, if this is sin and this is sin, which is the less sin, I'm going to pick that one. The abuse had just gotten to a point where I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And I was, again, facing those choices of, okay, which is worse? (laughs) You know, you're staying married. For the sake of staying married versus I want to die. So I went, I started seeking help um, for that and learning what the Bible says about oppression and kind of looking at the Bible for the very first time through different eyes of, I never really saw God actually says this and he doesn't say women are lower than men to like, as far as value. Sure. Which was very, a very, I think it played a huge role in the whole marriage scenario all the way down to when I just wanted to be done. And so when he left, I still had a hard time wrapping my head around it. Okay. Now I'm working full time. You know, I'm doing jobs that 
And I constantly, even not in those conservative circles, you hear comments like, well, why are you doing this? You know, where's your guy? You know, kind of thing. Sure. Why are you talking to the contractor? Um, Why are you telling us what to do? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Still that. Yeah, for sure. You know, you look too young. You look, you know. As I was researching and conducting these interviews, I became curious of what happened to these leaders. Names like Bill Gothard, Vision Forum, Debbie Pearl, and others. Some, like the Pearls, continue on distributing literature and speaking. More dramatically, some of them were accused of being sexual predators by multiple women. In 2014, Bill Gothard, leader of IBLP, stepped down after 34 women accused him of sexual harassment and molestation. In 2016, Gothard and IBLP were sued by a group of alleged victims. However, due to the statute of limitation laws, the lawsuit was dismissed. Emily Elizabeth Anderson is one of the 34 women who have accused Gothard of misconduct. That experience pulled her away from the movement. Well, when I was 18 years old, I went up to ATI's headquarters in Chicago and was personally counseled by Bill Gothard. And during that time, I was sexually groomed and targeted by him. And when I turned about a year later, when I turned 19, I came across a website by accident from uh, adults that had left the ATI movement. And they were starting. They had written many articles that explained the dangers of the movement and how this was not theologically sound. And there were a lot of survivor stories of other women that had been targeted by Bill. And it was through that website that I realized I had been targeted. And then within a couple of years, I joined a lawsuit. I waited longer. Yeah, because I was still afraid. Even as I was going through counseling, my counselor kept saying like, you are an independent woman, Emily. You need your job. You need to be independent. You need to be living on your own. And um, it took a lot of encouragement and a bit of pushing out of the nest from my counselor of like, you've got to do this before I finally had the courage to do so. And um, I think I was 26. When you moved out. When I finally moved out. Sure. Yeah. I think the digital age has really helped that because prior to the internet, prior to social media, um, so (laughs) a lot of these patriarchs of the movement and the the big, big name teachers and proponents of the movement have all been exposed as sexual predators for the most part. And I think that's really opened the eyes to the followers to realize that maybe this is not the kind of person we should be receiving instruction from. I know it was most popular in the 80s and 90s. And all those kids that grew up in it now are now adults and they realize the harm that it did. And they are choosing not to continue that education with their own children. As a reminder from our background episode, Vision Forum Ministries was a 501c nonprofit organization that supported the stay-at-home daughter mentality. Its board of directors closed it in November 2013 after Doug Phillips' confession 
of marital infidelity and allegations of sexual abuse. The associated commercial operation, called Vision Forum Incorporated, continued to operate until January 2014 when it was announced that it too was shutting down operations. Deanna Coglin's father's job went with it, and the family was forced to reconsider. Vision Forum imploded because of um, misconduct on part of, on the part of the CEO. He uh, abused his trust as a pastor, and because his role as a pastor and as a boss were so closely intertwined, when he went down in one sense, he went down in the other too. So everybody lost their jobs, including my dad. Seeing the idol fall kind of made them realize that it was an idol to begin with, and then it shook them up a little bit. And they started, they reevaluated re- to the extent of they're much more lenient with their younger kids than they were with the, their older kids. Deanna said that the slower process is more common in larger families. Parents become more lax with the younger children than they were with the older children. So you would say it was gradual for them, the changes, rather than an overnight, like, snap, yeah. something. Okay, sure. Sure. Is that typical of people that are in this movement that, you know, kind of either relax or leave the movement that it's a gradual walking away? What I've seen, I think it's more, and I'm speaking about large families like mine. Right. I think it's more that they're very, very strict because they're very idealistic when they're younger with the older kids. Mm -hmm. When the older kids grow up, and I used to get in arguments with my dad when I was 15 or so. Sure. about whether or not I was um, warped in my thinking when I thought that I should be allowed to date or write love poetry if I wanted to write love poetry. And right. So he told me to do a word study, the Strong's Concordance, and look up all the verses I could find about women and or children submitting to the male authority in their lives. Okay. And, you know, I didn't know how to do exegesis of the original text. and. I didn't know how to look up original meanings of the Greek and the Hebrew and whatnot. Sure. So I came away with, oh, well, women and children don't seem to have any autonomy, technically speaking, more than slaves. Just it made me really angry because it seemed really wrong to me that I, that was what I found. Right. And I brought it to my dad and he didn't, he didn't disagree with it. He was just like, well, then you found what you found. So learn from it like, oh, well, you belong to your husband. It's like, you two belong to each other, so be nice. Yeah. But that's not what I came away with as a 15-year-old trying to do a word study on my own. Right. I only knew of the one interpretation, which is that women need to push up and just do what they're supposed to do, and everything will be fine. For Trista Anderson, she found she was capable of leaving after she left the relationship she was in. In her opinion, dictating how someone should live their life requires a measure of force. I didn't come out of it until after I left the relationship I was in. And because of the fact that the stay-at-home daughter movement is largely, as ironic as this seems, it's largely influenced by the men. And while the women might see it as a good thing, I see so many examples of them being the ones that 
are coming out and then telling the stories of the abuse that goes on in them. And for me, that's a scary thing because whenever you start to oppress people's opinions and their goals in life and try to dictate how somebody else should live their life, whether it's your child or not, you're going to have to do that with some force. So what about the aftermath of leaving? How did women come to terms with the belief system and the evolution of their personal views? How do they see the movement now? For Emily Elizabeth Anderson, it's been a relearning of her Christian faith. I would definitely consider myself a Christian and passionately follow and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I deconstructed from religion and deconstructed fully from fundamentalism and patriarchal Christianity. And um, instead, um, I had to relearn how to read scripture. And I'm still learning. Uh, I'm still working on relearning passages of scripture that had been twisted and used as a weapon against me growing up. So I'm relearning those. Um, The thing that I found most helpful is to study the character of Jesus and actually learn the heart of God and realize and take that as your bird's eye view and filter the rest of scripture through the heart of God. Because it's very easy to take, it's definitely taken a hit over the last Mm -hmm. couple of decades, for sure. For Martha Ardiomenko, her thoughts are, even if we are trying to protect someone and have good motives, anytime we oppress one another, it leads to struggles. When you start living by man's rules rather than God's rules, you always end up with problems that it can sound really good on the surface. But in the end, that's not how God created us. He created us to be male and female and yes, to have our own roles. Um, But when we start suppressing or oppressing like one person over another, and even in trying to protect, I've seen people who are not even conservative trying to protect and know where their children are at all times. Right. It just causes, it causes a breakdown in the whole structure of a family and impacts your, not only those children, but your grandchildren and family relationships. And I would say, eh, you know, just be really careful. For Trista Anderson, who grew up in a community that eventually became polygamist, looking back from the outside has been complicated. Actually, um, yes, I am still a Christian. Um, that's one thing that makes me really sad is to see how much it affects people coming out of it and how, you know, how much they've been hurt. You know, some, some women have been hurt so badly because of the abuse that's tolerated in these, some of these movements. And I'm not going to say that all of them are like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if most of them are very abusive. So no, I am still a Christian. It has been a kind of a battle for me to be able to try to sift through what I believe, what I don't believe, why I believe what I believe. It had just been so indoctrinated in me that this is just, we do it because we do it. And even though I've always been very much so a person where it's like, I like to know why I'm doing something. And Mm -hmm. I could still find biblical backup for a lot of things. That doesn't make it right. 
That doesn't mm-hmm. make it mean that I have to do it today. Um, so to try to work through that in my heart um, and pull off the guilt and be able to realize who God really is as a person, I think that's probably the biggest The biggest Mm -hmm. challenge has been for me to learn to see God as a loving father, Mm -hmm. as a loving male figure in my life because of dealing with now, you know, having worked through all of these things, recognizing the abuse that was going on in the community recognizing the the manipulation, the emotional manipulation, the mental manipulation, the spiritual manipulation, being constantly told that you're not, if you do something wrong, then you're going to hell, basically. Living, going from a fear relationship with God to a relationship that you know that, you know, he loves you because he does love you, you know. <laughs> he, sure. he didn't love you because you're good enough. And to just be able to see God that way, it's, I would say that's probably the hardest thing that I've had to deal with. I can say, in my opinion, from my experience as a woman and as a mom of seven kids that is now single and trying to make things work on my own and actually having seen so many people grow up in this, you're not doing your children any favors Mm -hmm. because that's not how our society works. Neglecting their education because you think their life is going to go a certain way is hurting them in the long run. Keeping Mm -hmm. them from society because you think it's going to keep them from going to the world is going to do the entire opposite because by nature, we as people are not that close-minded. We want to know what's out there. And the moment that they can get the slightest chance of freedom, they're going to run for it. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen time and time and time again. And people wonder constantly, why are we losing our youth? Why are we losing our youth? Well, it's because you're restricting them so much they can't breathe. Youth by nature are curious. They want to know what's going on. They want to know both sides. Rebecca acknowledges her relationship worked out, but she highlighted some of the suffering a lot of women went through. I do think that uh, sex is a gift that God uh, reserves for marriage for us, you know, for it to be enjoyed in its its best possible way um, without baggage and and pain and heartbreak. But uh, beyond that, I think there's a lot of extra biblical man-made teachings surrounding dating and relationships and things of that nature. It worked well for me. It worked out. But I feel like that's more of God's grace than it is uh, the mindset or movement being biblical. Um, In that season, I was of the belief that to go to college was sinful, to um, pursue any kind of job outside the home was sinful, to be outside the home really was sinful. And that is the depth of which the movement does go to. Now, there are so many women and girls, because it continues to this day, but there are so many women who were raised in the height of the stay-at-home daughterhood movement when ministries like Vision Forum were still around. There are other movements and other ministries um, around to this day that still teach it. But in the the heyday, if you will, of the stay-at-home daughterhood movement, I would say the 90s, early 2000s, up to about 2013, give or take, 
there were so many girls and young women who are now grown women today who were victims of abuse, neglect, spiritual abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, just so many wrong things because it stemmed from a wrong view of women. It stemmed from a view of women as being just those who do the dishes, who cook the meals, who who bear the babies. Each of those roles and responsibilities is beautiful and important. They are important. They're not mundane in light of eternity. So you'll never hear me say that, but those were not the only things for which women were created. Looking back, Rebecca feels that a lot of these verses in the Bible used to support stay-at-home daughter ideology have been taken out of context. It didn't even talk about that because the thing is, it's not that patriarchy is the teaching of the Bible. It's that patriarchy is the backdrop against which the Bible is portrayed. In other words, patriarchy was the teaching of the day. It was the cultural norm, but it was not what God designed. I asked the question, was there anything you missed about this movement? And one answer I got that was intriguing was yes. The sense of security in knowing what was right and the sense of community in knowing those around you agreed with you. I do miss just being so sure that I knew the right way to do life. Okay. (laughs) Because now I'm more in a finding myself phase of life. And, but as far as just things that I enjoyed, I enjoyed knowing the people that I knew, uh, big families that believed the way we did. And just this, just felt so comfortable always being around people that you agreed with. Oh, I wish I could just grab all the dads by their shoulders and shake them and say, stop being so controlling. Loosen up. Mm-hmm. Stop sure. projecting your weird sexual issues onto your kids. Because I think a lot of the hyper-focus on modesty comes okay. from, sadly, men who have a problem with porn can't shelter people and expect them to be ready from ready for the world. But mm-hmm. the, the whole, I want my girls to be under my authority issue. I think it comes down to just being a control issue, a heart issue. Mm-hmm. Parents want to feel like they have that control over their world for their kids. And a lot of times I think that they, they're coming from a good place of just wanting to put their kids into the right, spot where they'll be happy for their life, but it just kind of ends up being a power struggle. I think that people should listen to their parents because they have more life experience. Mm. But uh, aside from a common sense view, I think that you need to discard the clothes, the trends and the styles from that era fit perfectly into what most people think of as being decently or adequately modest. And when you're raised in a cult or such an extremely bonded bubble community, everybody thinks the same. So sometimes there can be very little conflict, you know, as long as you're all agreeing with each other. Now, a lot of times these families hid dark secrets with with abuse. I'm not saying these families were very happy. But as far as just like belief-wise, there really wasn't very much conflict because you were all cookie cutters. You all believed the exact same thing. Yeah. 
That's interesting. I spoke to another lady and she said almost the same thing. She said she missed going to, I don't even remember if it was ATI conferences or a different kind, basically going and knowing that everyone there was so much in agreement with you that you really did feel like you had just all of these people around you in this sense of community. And she's like, I really missed that part of it. Yes. Um, which was and it felt interesting. Safe, you know, right. it felt safe. I, the ATI conferences were the highlight of my year because it was the one time a year I could go to some place and not be afraid of the world, right. worldly people, because mm-hmm. I went somewhere and everybody looked like me and everyone acted like me and talked like yeah. me and believed the same thing I did. And there was like, I'm safe. Emily explained what she would say now to someone who is interested in the movement and how someone has to be ready to hear outside beliefs before they move on. Well, if I could talk to somebody who's considering joining it, I would certainly discuss the dangers that are in it and a bit about my own story and how harmful some of these beliefs can be. But someone who's in it they have to become at the right place of mind that they're willing to accept an outside voice. Because I know if I had come across that website that I discussed before, I know if I had come across it just a year prior, I would have scoffed and would have said, those are just bitter people and they're not real Christians and their theology is all messed up. I would say the allure of the movement is it's, supposed stability and the bending machine gospel of put good in, get good out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because we're told everything is definitive that if you follow these rules, these blessings will happen. If you stay a virgin until marriage, then you're going to have an amazing sex life in marriage. Mm -hmm. If you stay under the protection of your father. You're never going to get physically assaulted out and about in public, that sort of thing. Um, And so there's a lot of false security in that where you think that you're going to be protected from certain bad things happening to you if you follow all the rules. And that's very alluring um, because we want, I think as humans living in a very broken world, we crave control and we crave stability and we want to prevent bad things from happening. Um, but you have to come to a realization as you begin deconstructing from the movement, you have to realize that it is the ultimate lie and that there's nothing that you can do to control how your life is going to turn out in, in these specific you know, areas. And I really miss the close community. I've, I've rebuilt my community for sure. But, you know, one of the difficult things about being an adult is learning to have relationship with somebody who doesn't believe the exact same way that you do. And that right. can be hard sometimes because you have disagreements and sometimes relationships fall away and friendships fall away. Thank you for listening to The Daughters a documentary examining the stay-at-home daughter movement with myself as the host, Joanna Adams. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. 
To catch all the latest from me, you can follow the show on Facebook at The Daughters Docu and on this podcast's website, www.thedaughtersdocu.com. That's www.thedaughtersdocu.com. A huge thank you to Jake Musiker for audio production. You were professional, reliable, and kept us on track. Writing and editing by Shalom Bear G. Gratitude to you for sharing your impeccable writing skills with the world. Music credit to the Aegis Destroyer by PC3. Finally, I would like to truly express my gratitude and appreciation to all of the women willing to share and contribute their stories with us. Without you, this project would not exist. <laughs>